with you guys and welcome back to the Televised Podcast. My name is Anna and today we're talking about Supergirl. This is it. This is the last one. This is this is really sad. <laughs> um yeah, so I know that I made like a whole big deal about whether or not I should cover 19 and 20 in the same episode. I was under the impression that more would happen in episode 19. Not a lot of stuff happened in in episode 19, so (laughs) I'm just going to go over kind of like the highlights of episode 19 before really jumping into episode 20 because I think 20 was so much better than episode 19, Um, especially just because of Episode 19 focused so much on Lex and Nixley, it felt like. Like, ugh, what the hell? <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so I I kind of want this to be a bit more, because I, I really did enjoy the finale. I did. I enjoyed it a lot. I really enjoyed Kara's ending, and I'm going to talk about this later, obviously, when we get more into... Um, talking about how exactly her story ended. I really, I thought that they handled the ending of this series very well. Um, in honestly the, the best way that I could have imagined, because I think for me, my wish was always that the show in a sense would continue beyond the show. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the story would continue beyond the show, just because I feel like when you have situations like Arrow where you know at the end it was like Oliver and Felicity are both dead and and they're gone and and it's like you get the sense that the show is fully done like the show is over you know the story is over and and it's not um it won't live on not saying that Arrow didn't live on because it obviously did but I just mean like the story really kind of ended where the show did you know for at least for Oliver and for Felicity obviously not in the case of like Mia Queen or um John Diggle like for those characters obviously there's there was and is more story uh to be told about them and obviously that's why we're seeing them again in the Arrowverse um but uh for Supergirl like I said this was kind of like my ideal ending where I get to walk away from this show knowing that they're all still in National City, they're all still alive, they're all gonna, you know, have their time together, and no one goes to the future, (laughs) and no one hangs up their cape, and I, I can just, we can all just live with the knowledge that even though we're not gonna see them every single week, they are still, um, you know, just continuing on with their lives in in National City, and that's where, obviously, the fans can start to pick up uh, where the story left off. Or, you know, I mean, comic continuations, you know, fanfics, everything. Everything can can keep going from this point forward because the story continues on. Kara didn't die. She didn't go to the future. She didn't, um, she didn't give up her powers like maybe I thought she would, and, and, I'm honestly grateful for that. I I really am. I'm I was really happy with with how it ended. Um but obviously I think it goes without saying that we <laughs> we lost <laughs> in a way. In a way we lost. Um I have plans to uh you remember my other Supercorp episode? It has like 31,000 views on YouTube right now, which is insane. Um heavily scripted um I included a lot of like references and it was it was a much higher production uh, than than what normally happens on this podcast I have plans to do that again uh going from season six forward going through all of season six parallels you know uh things like that talking about the romantic coding of Supercorp how it teed up to give us the end game that we deserved and yet it didn't um yeah I just I I have plans to to do that I I do just want to say that it might not be uh next week (laughs) that it comes out it might be the week after I just I need a little bit of time to write it all out make sure it's good I'm gonna be pulling out my I mean I'm in school for studying tv and film criticism and 
I'm going to be pulling out all the stops uh, for pulling out my textbook for like critical media analysis because I am like beyond uh, frustrated by this ending for Kara and Lena specifically. And, and I think that having another like <laughs> well-researched, like heavily researched and, and written and concise and, you know, uh, heavily produced like episode would be good just to like kind of be cathartic in a way like the other one was and just kind of have that continuation and that part two and that bookend to that other episode um so yeah just uh that's something to uh you know be on look on the lookout for um sorry I've been rambling for so long but I (laughs) I've been putting off recording this episode for a long time because I I don't want to cry. I'm just, I've been <laughs> real down since, since the show ended. So I, I've been putting off recording this, but here we go. So like I said, jumping a little bit just into some of the highlights of episode 19. I really love the scene at the beginning with um, Lena and Andrea. I thought that scene was so well done and it was obviously acted very wonderfully by Katie and Julie. Um, but mainly I just loved it because it was such a full circle moment for Lena. Like she was finally able to like look at somebody and say, look, you're trying your best and that's what you can do, but you need to realize that doing one bad thing, you know, doesn't make you a bad person. It, she was kind of telling her that her actions do not define her past actions do not define her it's what she does with her future and really that's like her heeding Kara's advice you know be your own hero all of that and now Lena being able to pass it forward on to Andrea was just really wonderful it was such a full circle moment for her character I think even more so than when she uh quit Luth- uh, Luther Corp at the beginning of this season I think this just was again this like final bookend for Lena, for her to say, look, you have done some bad things, but that does not make you a bad person. And she says, like, I would know, (laughs) you know, season five. (laughs) And I I really appreciated um, seeing that growth from Lena. It just, it was really satisfying to see as a fan of Lena, you know, seeing her grow so much from where she started to where she is now is just, it was phenomenal. So then it was also interesting to watch in this episode was um, Alex and how she dealt with Esme, how she was willing to let the world burn for Esme. Like that was really interesting, especially in contrast to um, how she treated Lena being willing to do anything to save Kara. Alex was like, you know, at that time she put her foot down and said, no, we cannot do what you're gonna do to save Kara. We cannot cross these lines. We cannot put one singular person before the whole of National City. And so for for Alex to then decide, hey, screw it. Screw the entire world. I'm gonna save my daughter. That was really interesting. And I think it calls back to um, the scene with Kelly uh, quite a few episodes ago now. Um, where she uh, was kind of talking about how she felt like she was still acting like a soldier around Esme. And I think it's really interesting how we've gone from her believing that she's still kind of in this, like, soldier mindset to then um, clearly being driven by emotions and clearly, you know, being willing to put Esme before anything else. It was a really interesting moment for Alex, and I think that was kind of, like, her final stride that she needed to take in being a mother and then finally kind of like melting her her heart in that way and no longer being a uh, soldier all the time and having that drill sergeant mindset um, that we even you know we saw her have still in season six so that was really interesting another moment that really stood out to me was Nixley refusing to hurt Esme um And it was just, it was really interesting because in that moment, you could tell that she was not a heartless monster like Lex. Like, the show made such a point to contrast Lex and Nixley 
in those interactions with Esme. Like, obviously, we know that whenever Nixley was interacting with Esme, it was to meet her own needs. Obviously, she was not being nice to Esme out of the goodness of her own heart. It was to, it was to to get to, it was to get to her end goal. Obviously, but she still was not willing to kill Esme in order to get the love totem out of her. Like, you know, (laughs) she was not willing to take that risk or go that far because Esme was innocent. And I think really she saw part of herself in Esme. And for me, again, it just like separated Lex and Nixley so distinctly. It, it, drove that wedge between the two of them obviously like you know in the plot and with each other but it also kind of drove a wedge between them for me on where I stand with these two villains of like who can be redeemed who cannot be redeemed and they kind of teed Nixley up to be a redeemable villain which makes her ending so frustrating and ridiculous and just really odd to me, you know, like, why would they spend all of episode 19 building her up to be this sympathetic character in these interactions with Esme just to have her get sucked into the Phantom Zone again and then have to be stuck there forever with Lex Luthor, who is arguably way more evil than she is. It's just really odd and and I... I don't know. It's 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 just odd to me. <laughs> and obviously, I'm not saying that Nixley, all of a sudden, she's some kind of good person because she didn't want to kill Esme. That's not the case. But I feel like the the message of Supergirl for so long and, and with every villain she's faced, she has tried to redeem them. And like, yes, obviously, the redemption did not work earlier in the season, but it just felt really weird that the show just let them get sucked away, which I guess Kara didn't do it, so it's not like Kara was sacrificing any of her morals. It just happened to them uh, in a karma kind of way. But still, you know, anyway. And then, of course, uh, still in episode 19, the end of the episode... This, that huge fight scene, which actually was pretty enjoyable. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, uh, on the bridge, except for it wasn't a bridge anymore. Like, it got exploded. Um, where Lillian sacrifices herself to save Lex. I wish, wish, because obviously when the trailer came out and everything, everybody was like, oh my god, she's sacrificing herself to save Alina. No, that was not the case. <laughs> she was evil and horrible up to the very last moment. She jumped in front of Lex. Uh, but I, it would have made her death a, a lot more noble if she had jumped in front of Lena, obviously. Um, but I, I don't know if the show really was trying to redeem Lillian in that moment anyway. Because um, she's kind of crazy. So, yeah. So now let's get into episode 620. Uh, this episode was titled Kara, um, very, uh, appropriately titled. Um, like I said, I really liked this episode. I really liked it. I really did. Um, one thing that stood out to me is very interesting. So they have this fight scene in this episode that is so stupid and it wraps itself up so quickly. (laughs) But... Um, ultimately, I was very happy about how quickly it wrapped up because, honestly, if I were to have, which I was not, I'm not a writer, I'm not a TV writer, I don't claim to be one, but if I could have changed anything about this two-part finale, like, they knew when they were airing them that, I guess, I mean, I would assume that they knew when they were writing them that they would air simultaneously on the same night, So I don't understand why they didn't just have the big fight scene in at the very end of episode 19, have it all be wrapped up at the very end of episode 19, and then go forward with um, all of the really fun, uh, emotional, super fun stuff that we all wanted to see, which I think they had enough time for in 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 the episode that aired. You know, I think that I think that they spend enough time on it, you know, an appropriate amount of time, but I would have loved to see more, you know, because it's the last time we're going to see these characters together. And I think it would have worked really well if they had just done that final big battle in 19, maybe spent less time with Lex and Nixley, uh, you know, you know, doing all of that with Esme. I don't know. I don't know. But 
anyways, the episode kicks off with Lillian on her deathbed in the tower. So Lena is basically trying everything to save her, but Lillian is like, I'm dying. Like, I'm I'm too far gone. And so knowing that, Lillian tells Lena that she knew all along that she was a witch and that she hid talismans around the Luther home to suppress Lena's powers. And she even says that she uh, saw how Lionel interacted around her and did everything she could to diminish her light. And she pushed Lena towards science. And then ultimately, she says, your light diminished and you became a Luther. And Lena was like, okay, what are you, why are you telling me this? You know, one last dig at me before you go. Like, you know, why are you telling me this? And, oh, she actually kind of is like, well, do you want me to use my magic to save Lex? Because that's not going to happen. And Lillian says, no. She says, I want to set you free. Live your life the way you want to live it. And it's like, oh, my God. And then she passes away. And I, I mean, obviously, I do not, I'm not a, I'm not a Lillian Luther fan. <laughs> I don't like her. Um, but super kudos to Brenda in this scene. And, and Katie as well, who they both, like, give this scene their all. And I just, you know, she played such a wonderful villain throughout the series. I mean, thinking back to season two, Lillian, she was scary. Cadmus Lillian was really scary at the beginning. And so to see her end her story this way was, it was upsetting. And I, it was one of those things where you're like, damn, you know, I did not like her, but, but her death is, was a bit rough, you know, um, also, the queer subtext of I want to set you free and you should live your life the way you want to live it and the queer subtext of her suppressing her magic. Oh, my God. Anyway. <laughs> so then what happens next is it's simultaneously ri- ridiculous, but it's also kind of cool. Kara realizes that instead of saving people, she needs to work together with the people to create a partnership where the people can be empowered as well. Um, because right now, Lex and Nixley are flying around National City because they have pieces of the Allstone, and it turned them into reptiles? I don't really understand what that was all about. That was very odd. (laughs) But apparently what they're doing is, like, siphoning the truth, courage, you know, all of the powers of the totems. They're siphoning all of that through the Allstone into themselves to make themselves more powerful, effectively depowering, uh the population of National City, and I guess the world? I don't know. (laughs) And so they're showing this through the people of National City basically, like, fading away. They're losing their saturation. They're literally black and white. Very Halloween Town 2 Calabar's Revenge of them. Uh... Uh, but then Kara uses a mixture of Lena's magic and Brainy's Legion crown, which was a really cool nod to the comics. I thought that was really fun. Um, to end up projecting her speech into the minds of everyone in National City, uh, allowing them to hear her with an open heart, thanks to Lena's spell. And it works. And people begin to believe in themselves, and they actually, like, get their color back. Again, Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge. <laughs> on my screen in the Supergirl finale. (laughs) So the final fight was really interesting uh, for me, I think. I think it featured some really cool moments for everyone, especially like the double guardian fight with with, uh, James. Sorry, I will not call him Jimmy. I just, I don't like, I don't like it. (laughs) I don't like that they changed his name back to Jimmy. He will always be James. Like, his whole reasoning... For, anyway, it doesn't matter. James with the <laughs> with the shield assist for Kelly where she stepped on his shield. That was so sick. I loved that. And then Supergirl versus Overgirl was a really awesome fight. That was a great rematch, obviously, because, you know, uh, from the Crisis on Earth X crossover... One of my favorite crossovers, I think the best and most effective crossover that the CW Arrowverse has ever been able to do. Um, and then Andrea swooping in to help Lena. That was a great moment. She used her smoke powers. Again, it was kind of like a full circle moment for Andrea. She was the one who stole those powers from Lena. And then, you know, all of a sudden now, 
she has used them to save Lena and to help her and to help the super friends and to use them for, for means that aren't um, entirely selfish. And I really appreciated that. So um, Nia's owls end up making a reappearance as well, uh, which I thought was really cool. But then they get shot out of the sky by Eliza Danvers with a giant gun. <laughs> And I'm like, what the hell? Where did she even come from? <laughs> like, how did she even know to come to National City? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But it was just like, it was one of those moments where it's like, and here's Eliza Danvers with a steel chair. And you're like, oh my God, Eliza Danvers with a steel chair. <laughs> And then, of course, they included uh, an incredible reference to her Supergirl movie as well, where she says, in another life, I must have been Kryptonian. And she says, Alex, I mean, replies only in the movies. Uh, <laughs> but like I mentioned earlier, this end the ending of this fight was extremely anticlimactic. Um, because Lex opens up a Phantom Zone portal, releasing phantoms and the public the national city population ends up like coming up behind the super friends and their empowerment ends up just like draining the all stone basically all together and it turns out that the phantoms who can smell fear basically were more attracted to lex and nixley than they were of literally anybody else because apparently the citizens of national city were so brave <laughs> and the super friends as well even though it doesn't matter. Anyway, <laughs> apparently it was their own hubris that, because apparently there's no greater cover for fear than hubris, which is what Brainy says. And they, they both get taken into the phantom zone and then the portal closes and then that's the end of it. And it's like, okay. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay, okay. All right, like so many episodes fighting this this imp and and Lex as well, and then they just get sucked into a portal by not even the super friends. But I guess it makes sense because, like I said earlier, Kara would never be the one to send anybody like to the Phantom Zone willingly. You know what I mean? Like she. I don't think she would sacrifice her morals for that, and I don't think the show would make her sacrifice her morals for that. So really, in the end, like, there was no other way to really end Lex and Nixley than to either kill them or send them to the Phantom Zone, and I don't think the show wanted to kill them, and I don't think the show wanted them to have Kara pull the trigger as well on sending them to the Phantom Zone, so really... I guess the best they can do was um, have them open up the portal themselves because of their own arrogance, get tossed in, and then they're stuck there forever. But again, I, I don't really think that Nixley deserved to go back to the Phantom Zone forever. And then she also has that cuff on still, so it's like she doesn't have her magic. And, and then Lex is there too, so it's like, oh my god, you know, she's stuck with Lex forever? Like, is that really what she deserved? Like, she was just this abused woman, obviously doing terrible things, but it's like, did she really deserve to go back to the Phantom Zone? Like, is there nothing else that you all could have done with her? <laughs> but anyway, it... It doesn't matter. So then there's William's funeral, which is probably the least upsetting TV funeral I've ever seen. It was it was not sad at all. <laughs> it was like, okay. <laughs> but it's, it's revealed after the funeral that apparently the DEO is going to be reinstated, which for me honestly makes a lot of sense. Um, just because of like... Throughout all of season six, the super friends have been going literally buck wild with their, <laughs> with how they've been handling the fact that they have no one uh, breathing down their neck. They have no protocol. They have no, you know, it's, it's a free for all at the tower, basically. You know, we got so many <laughs> just plain questionable decisions from the super friends this season alone that it's like you know what it it checks out that that they would reinstate the deo it it checks out that they would do that <laughs> 
And also, I mean, just how much they've butt heads with the government this season as well. Like, it just makes sense that they'd rather go back to being under some government oversight. <laughs> but Jean says that they do have free reign to basically reimagine it in any way they please, which hopefully would mean that they do it better this time. <laughs> you know, maybe aliens will get a trial or something, you know, and, and they say that, you know, oh, extra normal means it's not just dealing with aliens, it's dealing with all this other stuff, which is so true. Hopefully they just, like, you know, fix up their methods, because the DEO was always kind of, you know. <laughs> and Kara, actually, it's it's really interesting, because Lena and Alex both are kind of like, um, is that a good idea? And Kara's like, actually, yeah, I think it's a great idea, because she says that, that defeating uh, Nixley and Lex and empowering the people during that one fight was not an all-purpose cure. They have to do the work every single day. And really, it makes sense. All of them are jobless and broke. And so now they can finally all have jobs and they all have money now to put into making change and, and doing real good and, and having some oversight and having more resources. It all just, you know, it makes more sense. It fits the characters better, in my opinion, than like thinking about, you know, Arrow, where they were vigilantes the whole entire time. I think, you know, the, the vigilante life is not exactly for the super friends, because they've all always been a part of these teams or organizations or whatever, so I think it personally just makes a lot more sense for them to have reinstated it. I liked the new logo as well. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so then, uh, while they're also talking about community outreach and stuff like that, they we get quick little flashes of some like future projects that the Super Friends are going to be involved in. One of them is the Lena Luther Foundation, which is really cool. I wish that we knew like what it was about. Like, <laughs> you know, what is she doing with this foundation? What is it for? I I'm not sure. Wish we found out. Um, and then also Andrea opens the um, William Day School of Journalism, but it's in Spanish, so I would assume it's I don't know, in Argentina. <laughs> I, I'm not sure, but she opened it <laughs> with uh, Lena there as well. And then Dreamer opens the Dreamer Center for LGBTQ Outreach, which is really cool. Um, and then also we see the new DEO. And Kara tells them that they need to be not just super superheroes to these people but they need to be friends which of course is like uh, the super friends like uh, they're all of our friends these are my best friends <laughs> so <laughs> but then also after the funeral listen i know that we lost super corpse lost a little not a lot i mean we did lose a bit but we did not eat it as hard as caramels ate it in this episode, and nothing brings me more joy than that. Nothing. <laughs> because <laughs> Monel, in his final conversation with Kara, he says that he can't come to the wedding, so he's not even going to be at the wedding, and that he actually won't ever come back to the present in his lifetime, or Kara's lifetime, or this lifetime is what he says. And they really just, like, put the final nail in that coffin, didn't they? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I can't come to your sister's wedding and I will never see you again. So have a good life, Kara. <laughs> and she's like, same to you, buddy. <laughs> it was so great. I'm like, this is the greatest thing that could have ever happened. They lost so hard. They ate it so hard. That was incredible. <laughs> I'm not a petty person, but that just, it was chef's kiss. It was everything. Actually, I take the back. I am a petty person, but still, it was just, it was incredible. <laughs> Especially after all season long, you know, Caramel shippers have been saying, like, Cara's gonna go to the future, Cara's gonna go to the future. Uh-uh, she's never leaving the present. And he's never coming back, so... <laughs> Uh, it's incredible. Anyway, also after the funeral, Brainy says that he has already overstayed his welcome and he can't stay for the wedding. He tells Nia, you will be in my dreams, Nia, 
he says, you've always been the girl of my dreams. And then they kiss and he tells her he loves her and then he has to go. And it's like, oh my God, I was so upset when that happened. But then obviously there was stills that dropped where we saw Brainy at the wedding. So I knew that he would at least be at the wedding. So I wasn't all that sad, but it was a very sad scene. And obviously I love his use of some dream, you know, puns and jokes and stuff in uh, his final goodbye to Nia. It was very sweet. So then we actually time jump three weeks later at Kara's apartment and the wedding, the dance and wedding is the next day and she hears uh, a news report that there's a cat stuck in a tree, but the community um, banded together to get it down when the firefighters couldn't reach it. So it's kind of like this weird moment where Kara's realizing that the city is not as dependent on Supergirl as they used to be. And I think, really, that, like, cat reference was a callback to season one when she rescued Fluffy the snake from a tree. Um, (laughs) When she assumed that Fluffy was a cat and not a snake. Um, And I thought that was a cool moment uh, to call back to. So she's also in the middle of making floral arrangements for, again, the wedding, which is happening tomorrow. So then Kara gets a call. And listen, guys, I have never, ever popped harder than I did when I saw who was calling Kara. I was like, oh my god. Because at this point, I had written off. I was like, you know what? We're never going to see Cat Grant again. We're just never going to see her again. But And that's okay. <laughs> I'm like, Kalista is never flying to Vancouver ever again. And you know what? That's okay. But then she called her on the phone and we got to see her and I lost my mind and it made me even when I was re-watching the episode I just could not stop smiling while Cat Grant was on my screen and really I think that even just her brief appearance in this episode just proved how much the show was missing with Cat Grant not there um which is really sad but obviously she is just wonderful And I was so happy that Kalista agreed to do these scenes, even obviously, you know, remotely (laughs) from Los Angeles, most likely, you know, I, I'm really happy that she, she did that. Um, I'm really thankful that she did that because it wouldn't have been a Supergirl finale if Cat Graham wasn't there, you know, even if it was just on the phone. (laughs) Um, and so she's in Colombia trying to save the turtles, but she tells Kara that she bought Catco back and she wants her to be editor-in-chief and Kara kind of like doesn't know what to do um and we actually hear her talk about her concerns with Alex when she arrives at her apartment and we have the last Danvers sisters couch scene it's like oh my god Alex sits down and Kara is trying to tell her that why she will not be taking this editor-in-chief job and she tells Alex that ever since they started empowering people she's felt more defeated as the rest of the super friends have started to flourish and Alex pushes her to take the job and and tells her that her duties of as Supergirl have changed and she's no longer carrying the burden of protecting the planet and the city all on her own now that she has both the super friends the deo and as well like the people being more empowered she is not as burdened with the weight of national city as she was you know for all of these years that she's been supergirl and Kara says that look i know that i have less on my plate as supergirl but well she actually says that she has more on her plate i don't know anyway but she <laughs> She basically says, look, I know that there's an option to do both, but doing both always requires me to lie and sneak around, and it makes her feel less powerful than ever. And then they do this really, really adorable thing where Alex is like, look, I know whatever happens, whenever you're at a crossroads, you always figure it out and you do what's best for you, and I cannot wait to see what that path will lead you down. And... And then they kind of, like, stack themselves on top of each other on the couch. It's just really sweet. (laughs) And I couldn't have imagined a better final couch scene for the two of them. You know, talking about Kara's future. I mean, because you think about back to the pilot where 
it was Alex who was like, look, you cannot be Supergirl, period. You know, you cannot be flying around. You have to go back to your day job like now. And for her to then end the series telling Kara, you can do both. You can have everything you want. You just have to figure out what it is that you want. I Again, wonderful full, full circle moment for the two of them. And then, of course, the wedding. <laughs> the wedding was a, a really beautiful sequence of events. I really, really enjoyed the wedding. Um, at, the, at the very beginning, Jean uses his powers to write congratulations, Alex and Kelly in the sky, and it's so cute. And then we kind of go to both, like, camps. We have the Danvers camp and the Olsen camp, you know, <laughs> for, like, the the bride and the bride. Um, Alex has this wonderful moment with Eliza where she ends up telling her that, look, I know I made mistakes as a mother and I can see that you have already grown and blossomed into this wonderful mother and I'm so proud of you. And it's just so sweet. And then Alex looks so good in her white suit I love it. I don't know what she was wearing on her head, but you know what? It's fine. I <laughs> and everyone looks very good uh, in this sequence. Um, and then Kelly comes out in her dress, and her dress is beautiful. And she ends up having this really sweet conversation with James, and he tells her that their dad would be so proud of her, and they hug, and they cry, and it's like, oh my god. And and then he also ends up giving her a watch that I actually didn't catch this on the first watch, but it's apparently a portal watch. It's it's so that they can I thought it was like a signal watch, like it would signal that they needed each other. But then I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> you all are regular people. How can that be helpful in any way? But it's a portal watch so that they can portal to each other if the two guardians ever need to get together and kick some ass. And I'm like, that is iconic. <laughs> Apparently, Alex helped uh, him like trick it out, I'm sure, with help from Lena as well. So then Brainy shows up at the wedding. Uh, it's so good. And he looks so good in his suit. And he's green with his little blonde hair. And he looks so good. And he approaches Nia and he's like, hello, do you have a plus one to this event? And she's like, Brainy, what are you doing here? And he basically says, like, screw the space-time continuum you know, the future is not written, so I'm gonna stay here and we're gonna write the future together because I can't imagine my life without you, Nia. And it's like, ugh, these two are my favorite heads. I love them so much, so much. So then, um, as Kelly and Alex are walking down the aisle, um, Kara and Wynn actually sing a duet uh, you know, of course, the Broadway kids gotta <laughs> sing a song. Um, but all like the, the unfortunate song choice was just really upsetting to me because all I could think about when they were singing that damn song was Pitch Perfect 2 and how um, Bumper and Fat Amy sang that song to each other, you know, with like with the car and the boat and the. the yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's all I could think about. I'm like, you guys couldn't have picked any other song. Like, how about like an Ed Sheeran song? Like, <laughs> he's like the king of weddings at this point. Why not pick like an Ed Sheeran song? Why did you have to pick We Belong? Anyway, <laughs> Esme was the flower girl and she was adorable, obviously. And then it's Jean who's the one that's going to marry them. And he gives a little speech about Alex and Kelly that's just so wonderful. And, and he even started crying. And he's like, look, I always knew that these two would get together. I didn't read their minds. I pinky promise. But I just knew from the way that they acted and, and the way that they are. I just knew that one day they'd be getting married. And he says, I've always thought that there was something missing Kelly is Alex's missing piece. And it's just so wonderful. Ah, so good. And then the dance and vows. And it's like literal waterworks during the dance and vows. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> um, 
Kelly tells Alex, quote, I wish I could say that I always knew it was you, but I didn't know until recently. When you came home and you found me distraught and heartbroken, you didn't try to fix me and you didn't try to put me back together again. You were just there to hold me. I couldn't live another day without you. And it's like, oh my God, so good. And the way that Ozzy was like fully like tears running down her face, like even just when Jean was talking, it just was so good. And just you could feel the love radiating off of these two and it was so satisfying to watch. (laughs) And then in Alex's vows, she says, I was never really truly me until I found you. You are my truth, Kelly, and you and Esme have created a life for me that I never dreamt would be possible three years ago. And again, it's just like such a wonderful moment for the two of them. Obviously, Kyler and Ozzy are so talented and so wonderful and they just really bring the love to this scene it just jumps off the screen and then they kiss you may kiss the bride um and also (laughs) apparently david is fully ordained like he's a he's an ordained minister like well maybe not a minister but he's ordained he can marry people so kyler said that on a technicality her and ozzy kind of are married in in canada (laughs) which is so funny and apparently her husband nathan is totally cool with it (laughs) um so then like obviously there's just these wonderful really really wonderful party scenes dancing scenes just such wonderful cute little moments that happen um that are very sweet but there's also just some really awesome conversations between characters to kind of like plant the seeds for the future as well. Um, Jean and Wynn actually end up talking and he says uh, to Wynn, hopefully the new DEO will be a beacon of peace and not violence because they're kind of reminiscing on their time at the DEO and all the glass that's shattered all over the floor and how Alex is scary, stuff like that. Um, And Wynn, to reassure him, says it will be. At least that's what yours and Magan's son tells us. It's like, oh my god. (laughs) He's gonna get married to Magan. But the real question is, where did she go? She went on patrol earlier this season and then she disappeared. Where did she go? Tell me where Magan went. (laughs) Anyway, though, so apparently they're gonna get married and they're gonna have a son. And it's like, oh my god. So there's two happy endings for for three out of seven of the Super Friends so far. We have Kelly and Alex getting married, having a kid. Then we have Jean and Magan getting together and having a kid. Then we cut to... Um, so also, there was some confusion the night that the finale aired where people in the U.S. saw a shorter version of the finale. Well, really, is what, what I should say is that people in Canada saw an extended version and as well as screeners, saw an extended version of the finale that you can check out on the CW app, um, and it'll be uh, the version that ends up on Netflix next week as well when it premieres on Netflix um, on Tuesday in the U.S. Um, (laughs) So, all of these scenes, there's like five minutes of footage that ended up being cut um, from the version of the finale that ended up airing in the United States and so one of these scenes was James uh giving Esme a camera and that was so lovely because obviously I mean for me I remember when James's camera got smashed earlier early early in the series and that was really upsetting that was a sad heartbreaking moment because we all knew how much the camera meant to James because it was his, his father's his father gave it to him And obviously his father passed away and that was kind of his only connection to him. And so for James to continue that tradition by giving Esme a camera, it was just really lovely. And and the dynamic between um, James and Esme was just so wonderful. So then another scene that was cut from the um, United States version that aired was um, Alex and Kelly making Lena Esme's godmother. And that was so wonderful because there was, I mean, they were walking together and and Lena's like, that was the best wedding I've ever been to, just saying. And they're like, actually, we have something to tell you. And Lena's like, oh, you want to adopt me, right? (laughs) And they're like, um, 
kind of, but like in reverse. We want you to be Esme's godmother. And it's, she's like, I was cool with just being the cool aunt. I don't know. It was so wonderful. And, and it was kind of like, you know, it was like Lena's like stamp of approval for like, yes, you're a super friend and we want you here forever. And you are a part of this family, girly, like forever, you know? Um, I really love that scene. And, (laughs) and someone pointed out that obviously she's, uber rich now because Lex is gone and Lillian is gone and Lionel's gone so she inherits everything from Luther Corp everything from the Luthers every everything um (laughs) so obviously uh she is like the perfect choice I think uh to be Esme's godmother but I also kind of assume at least in my own personal headcanon i think that kara and 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 lena are both esme's godmothers together um as a way for alex and kelly to be like hey guys like to like push them together (laughs) so then the original uh super trio actually has a conversation and again it's just so nostalgic to see when Kara and James all talk together all reminisce about season 1 you know about that those times in Catco about the crossover with the Flash you know when when they were learning about the multiverse together it was just a really lovely moment and and really like as much as i was glad when their characters each left the show cuz i think that their time uh had run out for their characters, like, you know, when they did, I think they all left, um, at, at opportune times. It was still, I still really appreciated this final moment between the three of them and to have this kind of come back together for them, uh, to call back to that original dynamic. I really enjoyed that. Um, and then Lena interrupts and it's this, like, full love interest moment where she's, like, backlit by the sun and she's like come on guys and it's like oh my god anyway she's uh anyway so then cat calls again and card tells her that she has she's because cat's like look you did not sign the papers so i want to know what the hell's going on with you and she's like don't tell me you're stuck and Kara's like i am stuck cat <laughs> And she ends up telling her that she has two different sides to herself. And and she's sad that she can't live a truly authentic life like Alex is doing right now. And then the moment, the moment that I have been wanting and waiting for since season two, when Kat revealed that she knew all along that Kara was Supergirl, even though she didn't tell Kara that, she finally told Kara that. She said, oh, you're Supergirl, la-di-da. And then Kara's like, you knew? (laughs) And then Kara's like, you knew? And it was just so incredible. And she, Kat tells her, look, Supergirl told the people that they should be empowered and they should take care of themselves. And I'm wondering why that message does not apply to Twa. <laughs> and it's just so oh my god such a wonderful moment such a wonderful conversation between the two of them and she tells her i hope that you will choose to become your full self and she also says i believe in you i always have Ugh. love i love their mentor mentee dynamic it's so good so then nia in another cut scene so this was another scene that was cut from the airing she uses her dream power to catch Kelly's bouquet. And Brainy, well, Wynn is like, oh, Brainy, looks like you're next. Oh, and Nia's like, look, I don't call it cheating. I call it initiative. <laughs> and Brainy's like, yeah, there's a 100% probability that I will be getting married to Nia very soon. And the really funny part about that scene is that Lena is, like, standing, like, right front and center with all the people. So it's, like, Lena, and then it's Nia, and then it's a bunch of random people at the wedding. And Kelly throws the bouquet, and obviously Nia cheats and uses her dream powers to catch it. But Lena doesn't even jump. (laughs) She knew that if she caught it, it would be too much for Kara in that moment. (laughs) Anyway, speaking of Supercorp... Hey, you. Oh, man. Oh, man. I really... uh, I don't want to say too much about this scene because 
I mean, I I really want to get into it during my the Supercorp episode that I'm planning because I think there's a lot to unpack about this scene. I know that a lot of the um, I know that a couple of the screeners, uh, the reviewers who saw the screeners, have um, at this point gotten kind of um, backlash for saying that the answer to is Supercorp Endgame saying that it was complicated um have gotten some backlash being like no it was like a big fat no and and while I understand you know obviously it was not uh implicit in the way that we were all hoping for like the friend word was tossed around way too much Uh, upon a rewatch I do see and understand why somebody would look at this scene and think Yeah, it is kind of complicated because there is so much subtext that is happening within these scenes that I really wanted more to dig into in the um, episode that I'm going to do more specifically about Supercorp just because there's a lot to get into. There's a lot to break down. There's a lot of layers that end up coming out of this scene that I think... You know, the subtext is there, but I think ultimately the the um, the ultimate takeaway then from the scene is that, yes, the subtext is there, but at this point, we are so far beyond subtext. We needed to have main text. You know what I mean? Like, we needed to have fully canonized main text confirmation, you know? Like, that's what was most upsetting, I guess. Um, because we're beyond subtext at this point. You know, queerness should not have to be subtextual any longer. <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> um, but I, I do just want to say that Melissa and Katie delivered a beautiful scene between the two of them. And it was obviously missing what we all wanted. And, and even without the expectation of Supercorp, I really think that there should have been an I love you in that scene somewhere just because they were talking about these topics that were so deep and how much they both have affected and changed each other so deeply and so much and so profoundly that it almost felt like the I love you was missing on purpose um you know so it just yeah I don't know also Kara does reveal why she did not pass the um courage gauntlet she says that she created supergirl that night because the thought of saving my sister as myself was too terrifying and it's like okay yeah she was too scared to be her whole and true self and so she created supergirl to hide behind for her whole time on the show basically um so then before heading over to see Danson off, uh, as they head off for their honeymoon, Kara sets down her glasses and decides to finally be her whole and true self and goes to meet up with her family. And it's like, oh my god. I think that was a really wonderful moment. That was perfect when she took off her glasses and she looked at her family and walked over. Like, that was brilliant. So then Alex and Kelly have a grease moment where they fully fly off in Jean's Martian car. <laughs> Y'all know the end of Greece where the car flies for no reason. Like, at least Kelly and Alex's car has a reason to fly. Um, <laughs> but I just wanted, I wanted that moment to just have uh, we go together, like, playing in the, in the background. Or, like, I wanted them to, like, turn around and wave, like, in Greece. Like, it was, it was a really funny reference that I, I wish that they'd taken a little further. Um, so then the final game night and of course of course the canyon between lena and kara is annoying but it's genuinely a wonderful scene and kara says the past six years with all of you have been the greatest adventure i ever could have imagined and i just can't wait for the next one then we pull out from kara's apartment and we see and Truly, I don't know why National City has so many giant screens all over the place, but I can set that aside. (laughs) We pull out from Kara's apartment and we see on these screens all over National City, Cat Grant coming to you live from Catco. Well, not live, but introducing all of National City to Kara Danvers, Supergirl. And it was just, I mean, it was a really wonderful, wholesome moment for Kara. 
and I just really adored it. I mean, and and the poetic um, moment of Cat Grant introducing the world to Supergirl, giving her a name, and then finally sharing her true real name with the world. It was just really wonderful. And I mean, like I said earlier, I think this was the best ending that I could have asked for. No one died. Everyone gets to keep superheroing, and eventually we'll see them all again soon. Um... I mean, next week, in Alex's case, you know, that's unbelievably soon. Uh, in the Flash crossover, we'll see Alex next week. Um, and and I just, I, I would have loved to have seen, obviously, this next adventure that Kara talks about on screen. But I do, and I do love that the show will just go on and that's how it'll be. And, and maybe five years down the line, we'll get another crisis and we'll have all these characters back or we'll have some of these characters back or they'll show up on Superman and Lois or whatever. And we'll see Kara and Lena or we'll see, you know, all of, Dreamer, Brainy, Jean, all of these characters have the ability and, and they can all come back in some capacity and I would just really adore it. I just, I think they wrapped up Kara's story super well and the most important part is that the show belongs to us now. Like I said, like these next adventures of the Super Friends can be cataloged in fan comics, fan cams, fan fix, everything. Like this story is ours to continue at will and I just know that the talented people in this fandom will not disappoint. And speaking of the seeing the Super Friends again, as I mentioned, Alex will be in the Flash crossover Armageddon next week, along with Black Lightning, Batwoman, Mia Queen, um, Ray Palmer, a bunch of other returning faces. Uh, that'll be really fun, I think. If you're if you're missing Alex, check her out on the Flash crossover. Um, and then also Nicole Maines revealed that she's writing a Dreamer comic with DC Comics, so hopefully that will not be too far off uh, from publishing. Obviously, from what it looked like, she was kind of just starting it, but I also assume that probably that was just the teaser photo for it. I, I, if I had to guess, she's been working on this comic for a long time, so hopefully... It will come out sooner rather than later. I'm not sure if it's going to be like a continuation of the show or if it's going to be like a different adventure for Nia, but I would hope that at least Brainy will be in it. Hopefully the other super friends. I think that'd be really fun. Um, and and yeah, so really, I guess all that's left for me is is a thank you. Thank you so much for listening to me for these past two two years at this point two seasons at least of of Supergirl I honestly I wish that I had done this longer I wish that I had started I mean I've said it before but I was inspired to start doing this because during season two I would be so mad at Supergirl and what they were doing with Monel specifically that I would kind of just like sit in my room and after an episode and kind of have these like monologues that really sh- probably could have just been a podcast and then that was it and nobody else or at least no other Supergirl podcasts were like having my same views about Monel. so that's why I started this um but obviously I started it much later because I I don't know I guess I just didn't think that that was an option uh for me up until before season five is when I started so I don't know. I I wish I had done this longer and I but I can't thank you all enough for for listening for as long as you have and and for being so supportive and and for creating this really cool um experience for for me and and for hopefully all of you as well. Um and I same thing for me. I I can't wait to see where this next adventure takes us. Um I'm not 100% sure what the next adventure will be, but like I said, um, the next thing that you can expect from me is the sequel to the Supercorp video that I put out about a year ago now, um, that I'll have, like, I'll probably link it somewhere, um, but, yeah, so that's, that's what's next for me at this point. I, I really don't know, um, what, what is next to come, but, I know that a lot of people have been inquiring about me covering Batwoman. I probably will not uh, go back to doing Batwoman recaps uh, just because I haven't been keeping up with this new season. Um, But yeah, uh, also I I was wondering too, like if anybody would be interested in like a a series retrospective on Supergirl. Um, 
I was thinking about doing it and then obviously the finale happened and I was like, oh god, I don't want to do that anymore. But then now I'm looking back and I'm like, I'm feeling really nostalgic about Supergirl. So if anybody would be interested in that, talking about like favorite seasons, favorite episodes, favorite villains, you know, just kind of like a, a positive look at, at kind of like a series wrap on the, on the show, um, I could do that as well. Um, obviously, it would be after the big Supercorp video, but um, but yeah, I just, I, I don't know, I, I can't thank you all enough for, for listening to me and and thinking that (laughs) my takes were worth it and I I do I don't know I I had a lot of fun being really positive with you with you all and and clowning a lot obviously it it didn't pay off in the end unfortunately but um but I still had a really good time and and I I hope the same for you um but yeah so thank you so much and I um that's all for me that's all I've got that's It's a wrap on Supergirl, I guess. So thank you so much for listening. Bye.